Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined, as always, by Jim Campbell and Chris Shepard. Guys, how is it going? Hey, Chris. Good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good because we discovered the cause of some of the microphone malfunctions that that actually messed up our last podcast. And hopefully when we get done recording, I'm not going to pull my hair out. The, The podcast is unlistenable because I really feel like we've now got this deleted footage podcast that, you know hardcore fans uh of which we have none but we might have some uh maybe <laughs> maybe someday one. yeah we have one uh, in particular <laughs> well i mean i know that i know i was getting accosted by das on twitter about not having a podcast out this week so um well deservedly so yeah well i mean yeah and then and that's that's our our bad but we've solved that problem i'm excited about that because that means we can actually record stuff and then also share it so that's that's the ideal way to do a podcast. It's it's not ideal to spend an hour and a half recording something and then throw it into the trash. Um, but yeah, so that's where we're at. Got that going. Uh, we've got, I think, the Colts' first real challenge as uh, an opponent that we want to preview today. We're going to go all into the uh, the Colts-Bears matchup and give you the, the scouting report for that game. Um, but before we get started... I want to take a look at the Colts injury report, which is actually pretty encouraging. Uh, maybe the best one since week one. I mean, we've got we've got four guys on the injury report. Um, Naheem Hines had a shoulder injury, um, and Rakiusen was limited in practice early in the week, uh, still recovering from whatever this illness is. I, my suspicion is that he had like a appendicitis or something and had an appendix removed. I don't really know that, but I mean, what other stomach thing makes sense? Um, but both those guys were back to full practice. So I don't know what his deal was. Whatever it was that was bothering Rockies in, he is back to full practice. Um, as of Thursday, the only guy on the injury report at this point, well, and I guess TJ Carey was limited in practice. So I misspoke TJ. He had a a hamstring issue, but with rock, uh, likely getting back, that is less, uh, troublesome than it, than it otherwise would be. Uh, Michael Pittman jr. Is still on the, um, the injury report. I'm a little surprised by that. I don't know if you guys are. I kind of thought that he was going to go to IR now that you can do a three week IR. Um, I basically thought they were going to sideline him till after the bye week because they acted like that was the timetable he was going to return on. Uh, he had the compartmented leg syndrome that, uh, with the calf issue that happened in the game. And, um, so I don't know. I don't know if that surprised you guys. It surprised me a little bit. I kind of expected yeah. him to go to IR for the three week period and come back after the bye week. Well, especially with needing surgery to correct it. If, 
that's correct, right? Like he needed to actually have a yeah. A yeah he had to have a procedure. procedure. Yeah, yeah. He had it. I would assume same night yeah. the game happened. Yeah. Well, they said he like he woke up in the middle of the night, I guess, and had to get rushed to the hospital and get this done. But they said it can cause. I mean, it can lead to amputation if it's not treated properly. Yeah. So it's not Seri- to be messed with. Well, Sirianni had it right, and he said that like he wasn't aware what was going on, and a teammate or whatever is like, dude, you need to go. Yeah, <laughs> you need to go get yeah. this taken care of. Yeah, and, and I think that they have said that a lot of complications can arise if it gets infected. So you definitely don't want to rush back from it. Um, but I guess they th- they maybe are positive enough about it that they didn't think they needed him to. I mean, maybe do they think that they're going to get him back uh, the week before the bye? I, I don't. I wonder. I mean, because you. I mean, got, it's the Bengals at home. I hope they don't rush him back for that. Uh, that's yeah. kind of my thought. Is it's it's like that's that's three weeks out. Then you've got your bye week. I'm. Right. I'm probably using that roster spot, but whatever. They know more than I do, so um, maybe they have other things planned. Maybe they want to. Maybe they don't want to break uh, to put him on IR and bring somebody to the active roster uh, because that leaves them one less person that they can um, protect on the prey. I don't know. I don't know what they're. Maybe they're doing it just to mess with people, and so they won't. Uh, they they play some weird injury report games and weird things like that. I don't always understand it. I'm not sure if it actually gives them a competitive advantage, but. Whatever. I don't understand. I thought he'd go to IR. He did not. Um, that is encouraging because that makes me think that they definitely think he's going to be ready to go after the bye week, that that's all the longer it'll take. So that's that's a good thing. But yeah. otherwise, pretty healthy group. Um, and in other really solid news, getting two guys back that haven't made their debut as Colts yet. Sheldon Day, who was brought in from the 49ers, another defensive lineman that the Colts are going to be able to rotate in and get good uh, rotation from the defensive line and more importantly perhaps <clears throat> is we're getting um trey burton uh to fill out the tight end room a little bit as well as jack doyle obviously being back healthy so now we have our full complement of tight ends and i'm sure that trey burton was ready to come in and uh specifically pay to play the bears where he played last season and uh i'm not sure that it's yeah, I don't know if it's a revenge game. I think he, play, he played one year there or two years there. Um, he was paid really well. So I don't know that he necessarily is seeking revenge, but there's some element of a team that you leave wanting to stick it to that team. And I'm sure that he's going to be excited to play at Soldier Field and and uh, be in a different uniform. So mm-hmm. going to get both those guys back. And I'm excited to have, have our full complement of tight ends because obviously Philip Rivers enjoys passing to them. Yeah, with, with the... The games Wiley Cox has had recently, and from what we heard of, you know, the rapport that Trey Burton had with with Rivers in camp, and then what we know Jack Doyle brings to the table, and we need that blocking, I think, back big time, um, that he brings, you know, along with the running game. So, I I, I haven't been this excited about you know our offense kind of getting back to. I mean, I say that like we're deep into the season, <laughs> you know, it already kind of feels like we are. Um, but to see, to have, like you said, that full complement of tight ends really gets me excited for this offense. And maybe they can, uh, get things moving a little bit more efficiently, uh, than even they have, uh, this last week or two. Yeah. I'm hopeful that getting Trey Burton back means a significant improvement in red zone production, uh, because that's been a weakness of this team so far this season, and they need to see a big uptick there. And hopefully Trey Burton is able to make that happen for them, because uh, that would be a big deal if they can uh, if they can perform a little bit better in the red zone. And they're going to be doing it against a pretty good defense. So um, 
yeah, all good all around. I'm excited to see those names back and we'll see what kind of impact that that has on the team. But obviously Jack Doyle is a really, really good blocking tight end. And so that's going to be helpful to the run game to have him back um, against a team that is maybe not the best in, in run defense. So mm-hmm. maybe that's a good segue here. Shepard, let's uh, let's jump right into this and let's start let's start with the bears defense because defense has pretty typically been, uh, I, I find, and I, this is the case for me whenever I read your scouting reports that there are these teams that we don't play very often. And I get in my head, this idea of what this team is, even if I've watched them a little bit and know that this idea is wrong, there are certain identity things that stick, especially with teams that have had kind of a longstanding identity, uh, that you just get this mental, idea about what this team is lodged in your brain and the bears are one of those teams they're they're the defensive stalwart team this team mm-hmm. that doesn't that you know they like to run the ball and they play tough defense they've got this cover two style and uh they play a bend don't break takeaway defense and that's what the bears are even though that's not what the bears are um so <laughs> so let's walk through this defense a little bit and start with the defensive line because again in my mind i'm thinking team you don't want to face is the Chicago Bears. They've got, uh, you know, a nasty defensive line that's not going to let you gain an inch on the ground. You're going to have to try to pass against them. Maybe not the case this year, especially with some of the guys that are missing. So tell us about this defensive line for the Bears. Yeah, so um, their star nose tackle, and, you know, it's tough to call a nose tackle a star because, uh, you know, those guys don't produce a lot, but they're they're big, they take up space, they fill gaps, uh, they allow linebackers to run and hit. Um, Eddie Goldman, he opted out of the the 2020 season. Um, so he's not in there. And so far it looks like that, you know, that has been a big loss for them. Um, they're starting a guy named Belial Nichols. Uh, and I didn't notice Nichols making very many good plays. Um, and he wasn't, uh, he wasn't eating double teams and he wasn't filling gaps. Um, you've got other guys like Akeem Hicks. Um, Akeem Hicks, you're going to, he's actually leading the team in sacks right now. You're going to see him get a lot of penetration. Um, Akeem Hicks is actually a a pretty good player. Um, but you know, with, with what Nichols is giving you in the middle, um, they're just not filling gaps like they, they did. They're not, you know, letting those linebackers, when they let the linebackers run freely, um, we'll get to the linebackers, but, um, you know, even when they are, the linebackers aren't necessarily, making plays that they need to play, but they're also not getting their clean in large part to, because of the, the guys in front of them. Um, but then you've got your other guys, your, uh, Roy Robinson, Harris, uh, your Brent Irvin. Um, those are, those are the guys that you're going to see most often, uh, on the defensive line. If you want to include their outside linebackers in that group, um, guys like Robert Quinn, uh, and Khalil Mack, those guys. So they do drop Mack into coverage some. I think that that's a really stupid thing to do because he's Khalil Mack. Why are you dropping him into coverage? Let him rush the passer. Um, but they do it. Um, so you know, if you want to call him an outside linebacker, you can. Uh, but Robert, or, or I'm sorry, Robert Quinn. Anytime Robert Quinn's on the field, he's probably going to be going upfield. His hand is almost always in the dirt. So they do have some good pass rushers. Uh, they are a much better pass rushing unit than they are. Uh, a run stopping unit. Yeah. I mean, it does seem a little irresponsible to use Khalil Mack in that way. It seems right. almost like they probably need to ask some questions of their defensive coordinator. Who is that again? Uh, it's, uh, 
I don't know. I've heard of him. Um, some guy named Chuck, I think. Yeah, I figured. I mm. something about I, I former lumberjack. I think that was what he was. Something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> anyway, real rolling I, ball of cliches. I think he escaped from a group of cannibals. I just remember him talking about a fear of being eaten. I don't. I don't remember much, but. Um, basically Grigson was we, too mean for him yeah something i don't know <laughs> yeah we we know this coaching staff reasonably well at least in terms of what to expect from the defense um obviously as you pointed out in your scouting reports this is a more talented defensive unit than pagano ever had the ability to uh to flex when he was in indy but mm-hmm. um i think it's been pretty apparent that there are some coaching deficiencies that exist with him that we're not going to be cured by talent necessarily either. Uh, right. It's fair to question whether he got a fair shake in Indy, but also I think we, we saw enough flaws to think that, yeah, he probably wasn't the guy, at least as a head coach. So it'd be interesting to see how his, his unit fares. Uh, but I'm, I'm interested uh, to watch how, how they handle Khalil Mack. I wonder if Jack Doyle is going to spend most of his time uh, chipping and on passing plays, not be going out for the ball much because I feel like if they want to keep rivers upright and not let these guys get to him, that's probably going to be a smart option. I mean, I kind of hope they just chop block him every play. And I realize that's illegal. It's a 15 yard (laughs) penalty, but I bet they won't throw that flag every single time. Come on. They're they're not going to do it. That would get, it would be a very boring game. Come on, refs be cool. That's what I'm saying. They aren't going to call it every play. Um, so when, when you get past the defense when you move, I mean, we think that there is a pretty strong possibility that the Colts who have demonstrated already a desire to run up the middle, um, that they're going to try to do that early and often. They're going to be trying to use Jonathan Taylor and probably Jordan Wilkins and Naheem Hines, uh, to lesser extents, um, to run the ball up the middle. And that gets us into the second level of their defense into their linebackers. And they've got a couple names that are probably known to Colts fans. Uh, The one that immediately comes to mind is Raquan Smith, who a lot of Colts fans wanted um, the Colts to to select. Um, I think I I don't remember if the buzz was that they were wanting him at the sixth pick or what the thought was, but he was a hot name getting mocked to the Colts in the 2018 draft. Um, How's that linebacker core look? So Roquan Smith is obviously a very good athlete. When you turn on the film, you see him. He's fast. He runs sideline to sideline. Uh, as long as no one touches him, uh, he uh, he's great at bringing down the ball carrier. Uh, if anybody gets a hand on Roquan Smith, he is immediately washed out of the play. I don't know. That I'm sure if I went back and I really watched every single Bears game that he's played in since he was drafted in 2018, I'm sure I could find him shed a block in, at some point. Um, but I haven't personally seen it in the games that I've watched of his. Uh, I, I've watched I watched three Bears games, uh, and I went back then and, and reviewed the All-22. So I watched them live like a TV copy, and then I went back and watched All-22. And I didn't see him shed a single block. Um, so if Roquan Smith gets inside and an offensive lineman gets a hand on him, um, all the athleticism in the world is just thrown out the window because he's going to be 10 yards out of the play before you know it. Um, Danny Trevathan is actually a guy uh, that really surprised me. Uh, So kind of like you, you talked about, you know, in your head, you just kind of get, you know, you kind of have a view of different teams. Well, I had a view of Danny Trevathan. I thought he was a pretty good inside linebacker. Uh, And when I I watched him, he literally destroyed the 
like spleen of our quarterback. So, right. Yeah. I mean, you know, but he's, he's got a reputation of being a good inside linebacker. Uh, and when I watched him this season, um, he looks lost, uh, on the field. I don't know. I don't know if he's playing through injury and he's trying to compensate. Uh, I don't know if he, I think he is 30, 30 or 31. So it could be that, you know, athletically he's just starting to slip a little bit and he's trying to, he's trying to figure that out. Um, but he looks lost when, when he is in a position to make a play, um, he either can't get off a block or he doesn't get off a block or he just doesn't, he's just not taking good angles. Um, so Roquan Smith has potential if he gets there before, if he gets to, if he gets to the point before the offensive lineman gets there, Roquan Smith can make a play. Um, Danny, Danny Trevathan, if he luckily finds himself somehow in the right position, he will make a play. Um, but more often than not, based on what I've seen so far this season, he could turn it around. Um, but based on what I've seen, he's mo- most of the time not going to be anywhere near the the play if uh, if the defensive line hasn't stopped it. If it gets to the second level, um, it's going to get to the third level more often than not. Well, that's pretty encouraging because we have seen a number of times where Ryan Kelly is consistently getting to the second level and getting you know pads on somebody. So if Trevathan is there. Um, you know, Kelly's going to be able to handle that pretty well, but Raquan Smith is going to like, he, he could just like kind of blow in his direction maybe. And that would also be able to take both of those guys out. He could probably block both of them at the same time. And that's, I'm not even joking. Like if that happens on Sunday, like I'm not even going to be, I I mean, I guess I'll still be impressed because he's still blocking two NFL players, but like, I'm going to, based on what I've seen, like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be shocking that he would be able to do that. Yeah. Honestly. Um, I'm I am not anticipating the Colts changing up their formula a whole lot here. Um, I I don't know. And tell me if you think this and we're that we're deviating just a little bit. So I'll get, I just want you guys to weigh in here. Um, the Colts offense has been a little bland early, and I am wondering if there is some sense. And I know you try hard to win every game. And so this may be one of those absurd takes of mine. So if it is, Shepard, go ahead and feel free to let me know. But. I wonder if there's a little bit of of kind of keeping things under wraps early on in this season, knowing that the Colts have an easy stretch. I mean, if you look at this first stretch of games, obviously the games we've played, Jacksonville, Minnesota, Jets. Uh, now we've got Bears, Browns, Bengals uh, before the bye week. That is a pretty winnable stretch of games. Uh, it's it's going to be a real shame to get done with this stretch of games and not have won uh, the game in Jacksonville that they should have won. But that's a game you think you have a pretty good chance of winning given the talent level of the team. And so I wonder if they've kept some of those things under wraps a little bit because the back half of our schedule is pretty brutal. Um, And so I have a little bit of this wonder if they have really stuck to predominantly the run game. Not that I think they're going to deviate that from, from that dramatically, but if they've stuck to a more bland game, because one, you have a, an, off season that is disjointed and not normal. So it's probably easiest to stick to a more uh, simplistic game plan. And two, if you don't show your hand early, it leaves a lot of those cards playable toward the end of the season when those games start to matter a little bit more and when your schedule tightens up. So what are your guys thoughts uh, on that as a theory? Does that seem like total nonsense? Um, and Frank Reich has just been struggling to get red zone offense and, and the game plan has been a little vanilla or what do you think? Well, so 
I don't know that that was their intended plan, uh, but I think that it's definitely what's happening. Um, you know, we saw them sign and cut a fullback, uh, Roosevelt Nix, um, and they the, cited the reason for cutting him was that they just didn't have time to install him into the playbook to install a fullback uh, into what they wanted to do. Um, so part of it could absolutely be, I think last week, I think against the Jets, I really think they watched the film and they went, oh, this is a CFL team. We're playing a, a Canadian Football <laughs> League team. Uh, and last week they could have just run power uh, every time they had the ball and they still would have won legitimately. Um, they could have run the same play the entire time on offense and still won because the defense would have scored enough points to win. Um, so it didn't matter what they did last week. And I think that they knew that going in. I don't think that they underestimated them, but at the same time, it's really obvious watching jets film that they are a bad football team top to bottom. Um, so I think Man, that they really are, like, they are bad. It's, it's <laughs> almost, it is embarrassing. I'm embarrassed for that organization <laughs> and I have no affiliation with the jets. I have no uh, affinity for them. Um, it's awful. <laughs> uh, but I, you know, the, the Colts knew that. Um, so they didn't show anything in that game cause they didn't have to, but I think that they're still in, obviously they're still installing the offense. They're still getting that going. It, every team is to a certain extent, but teams that have had a, a starting quarterback, uh, in there in a, a consistent system for years, it, this, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're not having to go back and rework things and do all that. And, and yes, Phillip Rivers has been in the offense, but he's never worked with these guys before. And they're still, they're still adding things. They're still going through adding wrinkles. Um, so I think for sure they didn't show anything in the Jets game because they didn't have to. Um, I think that maybe you saw a little bit, a little bit of that against the Vikings, but not at first. I think that once the run game started going against the Vikings, they, they knew they didn't have to show anything. So maybe it's been intentional. Um, but I know that if nothing else, it is an unintended consequence of this weird season that we've had. Well, and to expound on that, once again, look at the oversized role we've had to throw rookies in already the past couple weeks. Um, yeah, specifically with in the wide receiver and, and running back, you know, so pretty crucial parts of our offense. Uh, we're, we're leaning heavy on some young guys now that we've lost some really important veterans. Even I though, mean, it, it is guess, really crazy to think that we've lost three starting offensive weapons in the first three weeks and mm-hmm. still managed to look like a pretty good offense. That's pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. I think if we were actually, you know, we had all of our, our cards to actually, you know, play with. And um, the couple that with the weird off season. And even though, yeah, Philip Rivers is familiar with Frank Reich and stuff like that. I can't imagine that everything is exactly the same uh, from when he was, you know, when they were together in right. San Diego and, um, you know, he's still building rapport with all of this offense too. So there's so many weird factors into this really weird season. Well, and one I of the things, you know, yeah, I think like what Shep said also is the jets just suck so bad. That, oh, yeah. Right. Well, one of the things that I thought about and we're getting way off topic, so we'll get back here real quick. But uh, one of the things that I thought about was um, I remember when Frank Reich first started, when Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni first started with the team 
Andrew Luck was talking about, or they were talking about a conversation with Luck with regard to T.Y. and how to coach him and talking about that T.Y. kind of does T.Y. stuff. Like he gets himself open, but he runs things a certain way. And Luck kind of had a feel for what that was. Um, I think you've seen some miscommunication and like T.Y. and Rivers not necessarily being on the same page. And so I think that's kind of some evidence that, yeah, he's not used to what that means exactly. And not having an offseason to kind of figure it out, that definitely hurt. Um, so I, I don't know. I agree. I think there's there's going to be some things that are interesting, but I'm, I'm kind of glad it's worked out this way that it hasn't had to be so, um, you know, using the whole, you know, the, the defense has allowed them not to have to be this firepower offense and they've had a chance to kind of warm up a little bit. So um, moving on to the next level, let's let's talk defensive backs, because that is an area. I mean, if you look at least by the numbers and I don't know because it's not like the Bears have played you know, and their, their schedule maybe is tougher than ours has been, but it's not like they've exactly played monster teams either. Um, but they have a pretty good pass defense, partly, I'm sure, in in part due to the fact that they have a good pass rush. But then their back end is taking care of business as well. So what's going on with these defensive backs? Yeah, so they do, actually. They've got a lot of talent, uh, you know, in the third level of their defense. So um, when you look at their safeties to Sean Gibson, Eddie Jackson, Gibson's going to be a guy that he's he's not going to play towards the line a lot him and eddie jackson both will be up at the line but he is more of a uh, a guy that you're going to want to defend the run from the safety position uh but either him or eddie jackson neither one of them are bad in coverage uh jackson's a guy that you might see you think that you're going to see grab a couple more interceptions than a guy like gibson but um both those guys are good at what they do um you will see him flying all over the field and uh, you know, if if Rivers hangs one up, um, one of those guys more than likely is going to come down with it. My money being on Eddie Jackson. Um, there, these guys play a lot of zone. Uh, they they want to be opportunistic. Uh, so if Rivers makes a mistake, they're going to try their best to jump all over it and make sure that that they take that away. Um, the third safety that gets a little bit of playing time is Dion Bush. Uh, Bush. I've seen him a lot used as a as a slot corner, um, and he gets matched up with tight ends a lot in the slot. Um, the last clip I remember, actually, it's the only clip I remember from Bush, uh, was him getting absolutely roasted by uh, by Evan Ingram. Uh, and Evan Ingram's a talented tight end. There's no shame in that. But he got beat by him on the route, and then he failed to tackle him, and it was a nice game for him. Um, so, you know, there could be good things against Deion Bush, but at the same time, he's not a scrub. He's not a bad player. Uh, he got beat uh, on a, a good route from a good player. Um, at corner, you've got uh, Kyle Fuller, who is playing really well. Um, you've got a rookie in Jalen Johnson, who um, <laughs> I got into an argument on uh, Twitter uh, with a bunch of pro football focus fans. I'm not anti-pro football focus per se, uh, but I do question their methodology. So according to them, Jalen Johnson's doing really, really well. I didn't see anything that necessarily said that he wasn't doing well, um, but at the same time, they run a lot of zone. Um, and so they were talking about uh, catches allowed. Well, if you're, I'm going to try really hard not to get too deep in the weeds here, but if you're running a lot of zone, uh, it starts to get pretty tricky to determine who gave up a catch. And that was really my beef. Um, And so Jalen Johnson, he's played well. 
Um, but again, they're in zone a lot. So they do a lot of passing off to, you know, the safeties behind them. Um, so, it, you know, if Kyle Fuller or Jalen Johnson, either one pick a pass, wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, they are good. They are talented. Uh, the, the third corner you're going to see is Buster Screen. I feel like that he has played for a million years. Um, he hasn't, he's not that old, but, uh, I feel like for whatever reason, he's been around for a long time, but he'll be in the slot a little bit. Um, and you, so I saw screen get beat some, uh, he is really, really good defending the run. Uh, so if they're going to send uh, a guy, a corner on a blitz, it's probably going to be screen. Um, and he, he will bring it. He's not afraid to stick his nose in and, you know, get in there and try to hit a back or, or bring down the quarterback. So that's really his best role uh, as a corner uh, is defending the run, which seems weird, but that's where he excels. So not to double back too much into the PFF takedown stuff, but if you are a person right. who who uh, puts a lot of stock in PFF, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Sure. Uh, I think you said before on this podcast, I think that you actually uh, did some interview work with PFF. Um, yeah, is that I correct? Through- yeah. yeah, I went through the first two, I think, two rounds of their hiring process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do a lot of really good work in mm-hmm. some things. Uh, their grades can be a little suspect and relying on them right. too heavily is problematic at times because one of the things that is always curious is they've got a grade uh, the next day after football for everybody on the field. Uh, and that includes defensive backs and safeties. Um, you know, you got corners and safeties who are not always visible on screen on the broadcast. Um, and the all 22 doesn't drop for another couple of days, but there's a grade the next morning, uh, for those players. And that is just a little problematic. Now they may have access. We don't have as the average public. I don't know. They'd have to have better access than literally any other media people. And that is possible. Um, but, like you said, then you run into problems with, you know, how do we determine who was supposed to cover who? And, you know, right. if there are, if there are uh, defenses where they're running kind of hybrid zone man right. schemes or pattern matching or things like that, where there are some, there's some confusion in the amount of film that they've got to grind through in such a short amount of time. Uh, there's op- there's opportunity for mistakes in those grades when you don't really know what the play calls were and who had what responsibility. Right. So even, even to go deeper than that, the, there's a Belichick quote from, I think it was like 2014. Um, and, you know, I understand hating Bill Belichick. I get it. But it's really hard to to take away from the fact that he's a pretty good coach. Um, and, you know, he was asked about pro football focus and grading. And um, he talked about how he would be wary of anyone who was offering grades because he can't count how many times where his own guys would make a mistake on the field and it would be obvious that someone had made a mistake but even him the guy that called the play in wasn't sure who made the mistake because if they got a a call at the line where uh, a linebacker made a call he made an adjustment or a, a corner saw something where he you know he said he basically audibled the defense in some way where uh, a corner and a safety were switching or a a safety and a a linebacker were were doing something were coordinating in some sort of a way bill belichick would not know that until he sat down and had it in the meeting room said hey what happened here so if bill belichick can't watch the tape and tell you whose fault it was that something happened how does anyone at pff 
ever have that information. It's impossible. They can't. So that's, that's my main issue is that they don't know assignments. Um, if it's a, a, a basic, you know, man free. So just man cover one, everybody just has man coverage. Yeah. You know what their assignments are beyond that. It's impossible. Um, and so that's my big issue. I'll get off my, my PFF soapbox now. Um, but it's not as foolproof as what some people make it seem. Well, and and there's a small army of people doing it too. So there's biases that are just going to be there. You know, well, when you have that many people evaluating, you know, that many games and that much, uh, that many hours of film. Well, and it allows you to be lazy because ultimately you need to right. watch the film. Uh, there's no amount of stat watching that you can do that is going to give you the full picture of actually watching it. And you can now, if you combine that and you take that PFF grade and the information they give you, and then you go sit down and watch film and you say, okay, here's where I disagree with this because this doesn't right. look like this to me or whatever that to me, that's a good thing. That's fine. That's just more information, but it's people who just rely on a PFF grade to determine how good a player has been playing that's that's not going to do it for me so anyway that's enough of that um basically so so let's kind of finish this out with you know how this team does this team differ in terms of the way that chuck pagano operates it than what we saw in terms of the way he tried to execute things is it i mean other than the talent does it does it operate essentially the same way yeah i mean it it operates essentially the same way so more so in um the uh, God, why can't I remember the defensive coordinator that was there that got blamed for everything that was fired and then went to the Greg Redskins? Uh, yeah, Greg, Greg Minuski. Yeah. How come I could remember everything about his career, but I couldn't remember his name? Greg Minuski, so, who did just fine with what he had. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> when Greg Minuski was here, the Colts, he wanted to play man coverage. That was Minuski's thing. He he wanted it. Chuck wanted zone. Um, so really, this this resembles more the, the post-Minuski years. Um, they play soft. Uh, <laughs> they they sit back in zone a lot. Now, when they blitz, they're going to be in man. They don't run a, a lot. So if they run zone blitzes, I haven't seen them on tape. I don't think that they do. Um, those are just generally more complex than than what I think Chuck. I don't think Chuck likes to think. <laughs> um, so I, I think that he wants to keep things pretty simple. The defense itself is pretty simple. Uh, they will disguise some coverages from time to time, but it's nothing, uh, it's nothing exotic. Um, so the jets, I guarantee you, they saw far more exotic blitz packages last week than what they're going to see this week. Not even close. Um, Chuck really doesn't want to give up a big play. He's afraid of the big play. Uh, and he sits back in zone. Uh, that's what he does. He sits back in a soft zone. He lets his guys, uh, you know, rally to the rally to the ball and make the tackle after they make the catch. Um, you will see man. You will see some blitzes, but they're not an aggressive attacking defense. Which, if I were a Bears fan, I would be so frustrated right now because the talent that they have on that team. It, I, I talked. I went pretty hard on the linebackers. Um, if you put Roquan Smith in the right role. Uh, he could be very, very good. I think that if you if you time up his blitzes just right, he's so fast, he's so quick off the ball, he could really do some damage, and he's not able to because they're not using him well. Um, the, the corners, the corners are good enough to play tight man coverage most of the time. Nobody's going to play tight man coverage all the time, but they could play tight man coverage a lot more than what they do, and they don't. Uh, and they could send blitzes 
a lot more often if they if they just allowed their guys to do that. They're afraid of giving up the big play. I understand that, but at the same time, you've got such a talented roster, you're you're wasting them by not allowing them to use their physical gifts to their full potential. It, for the Colts, it's good news. Uh, for the Bears and Bears fans, you know, it's a Chuck Pagano defense. Yeah, well, that's kind of encouraging because Philip Rivers is more than capable of eating up a zone. The Colts are very capable of moving methodically down the field and beating a team that wants to play that kind of defense. The question will be and has been so far this year, can they improve their red zone uh, right. production? Because I assume with a team like this, then the rubber hits the road when you really get into that red zone and they kind of sh- shrink down. And, and this is a talented group of defensive players. So right. it's going to be tougher. Yeah. So we'll see how that pans out. But before we get into the offense, we're going to jump out and take a really quick break and we'll be right back. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're back, and now we're going to go into the offensive side of the ball for the Bears. Uh, defense is definitely the strong side of this team, uh, but there is some uh, there are some talented players on the offensive side of the ball. They just changed quarterbacks mid-game, actually, so this will be the first game with Nick Foles at the uh, at the helm at quarterback for the Bears. Um, he hasn't had a lot of film for the Bears, but we kind of know a little bit of what to expect with Nick Foles. What did you see from him, and what are your expectations? for him in this game yeah so uh, in the Falcons game you know I think uh, anybody that pays attention even a little bit saw the the big news that he came in and he led a big fourth quarter comeback and it's true he did Uh, he led a a big fourth quarter comeback from I think they were down 26 to 10 at one point um, and he brought them all the way back and they won the game Um, it's kind of tough So part of this sounds like I'm blaming Nick Foles for coming into the game late in the third quarter and being cold. 
Um, and I kind of am, but he didn't start off his time in there very well. He was at or below 50% passing for the entire time he was in there. Uh, and I think he finished the game just above 50%. And part of that is because he came off the bench cold. He wasn't expected to play. Um, and so he came in, but he didn't have this, you know, massive bang up day. A lot of it, he was taking shots deep downfield, uh, a lot of shots, and it would go incomplete, incomplete, complete for 25 yards, incomplete, incomplete, complete for 12 yards. So it, it he ended up with getting, he ended up getting good results. Uh, the methodology as far as the, or the methodology that he took to get there, eh, kind of shaky. Um, but some of that's going to improve just with the fact that he's going to be in there as a starter. Um, from a talent perspective, I think that he reads the defense a little bit better than Trubisky at this point. He's, I don't think that he is as good of an athlete as Trubisky is. I don't know that that necessarily would have mattered too much in the, you know, the grand scheme of things. Um, I think Trubisky has a big arm. I think Nick Foles has a big arm. I think that just from an overall talent perspective, I think that they're similar players. Um, but Foles is definitely going to give you more experience and more poise back there. <clears throat> but well, uh, and again, I said, it certainly doesn't hurt that that we've got a coaching staff that has familiarity with Foles right. because while it might be a pretty big disadvantage to a team having Foles come in and start uh, without a whole lot of film on him, it's not as big a disadvantage for the Colts because they know him very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's kind of the thing. Um, I was concerned about it last year when he was back and forth with Gardner Minshew, um, you know, with the Jags, uh, but it ended up not being a problem at all. Uh, the Colts handled it just fine then. Um, and I, you know, I don't think that it's going to be an issue with Nick Foles in there. They're not going to change their offense for Nick Foles. It's just not going to change that much. He's capable of running everything they ran before. Uh, and like you said, Frank Reich knows him and knows what to expect from him. So yeah, I think the Colts will be prepared well for Nick Foles, a Nick Foles led bears team. So when you get away from Foles and look at the backfield, um, treat Cohen, not going to be a part of this game, right. uh, probably would have been a pretty big factor. I would think, mm-hmm. uh, in their offense had he been healthy, but he's, he's not going to be a part of this game. So what does the backfield look like apart from, from him with him not being there? Is this a backfield that's going to be able to run the ball, uh, effectively, or is that really going to hamstring them? Yeah. So, uh, losing Tariq Cohen is big because they used him, they used him as a traditional running back, but then they also used him a lot just in the passing game. Um, on third downs, he was going to be in there. He would be in there as a slot receiver on a first or a second down. So losing him is big. He was a big part of their offense. Um, so, you know, that's going to hurt at the same time. Uh, David Montgomery's their he's their lead back. Um, and he's a guy who, uh, he's, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, he's tough to take down. He has great contact balance. Uh, he has a good vision. He gets through a hole. Uh, sometimes it looks like he's running pretty slow. Um, and you know, sometimes he'll surprise you with, you know, his speed in the open field. Um, he's not a guy that I think is going to break open any long runs. Um, but he's going to consistently grind between three and six yards and, and keep picking up those runs. Um, he's capable of doing that. Uh, and he's a good back, not a great back, but he's a good back. Uh, their other back that you're going to see a lot is uh, he, he plays running back for the bears. Um, I think every other place he's ever been, he's actually played receiver. 
Uh, but Cordero Patterson is not a wide receiver for the Chicago Bears. He plays running back. Um, you might see him lined up in, in the slot, um, but you're going to see him lined up most as a traditional tailback, uh, wearing oddly number 84 in the backfield uh, and getting a lot of carries around to the outside. And they might try to run him inside between the tackles a few times, but Cordero, Pal- Cordero Patterson is definitely a running back in the system. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that how that backfield looks. Um, the Colts defense hasn't exactly looked. I mean, I, I don't know. I've been there's been some illusion uh, where it seems like they're doing worse than they are. I think they start the game poorly uh, against the run and then they do seem to kind of get their ground because they haven't given up much. They are right now the number one uh, defense uh, in terms of yards given up and they're that way for a reason. So. I'm optimistic uh, that they'll be able to to look good against the run. Um, in terms of receivers, though, what does this team have uh, on the outside? I know Allen Robinson has looked like a guy I just wish could find himself a good quarterback, and mm-hmm. he would maybe be one of the better receivers in the NFL uh, if he isn't already. Um, how, how does that group look? Yeah, so um, this group is actually better than I thought they were going to be. Um, Allen Robinson is... Uh, a legitimate number one wide receiver in the league. I don't know that he'd ever be a guy that I would consider to be a top 10 wide receiver, but like you said, with a a good quarterback, um, the type of numbers he could put up would be really impressive. Um, He's, he's very talented. He's very good. He makes plays that other guys just can't make. Um, He runs great routes. He's going to get open. It doesn't matter who's on him. He's going to get open a few times in this game. Um, so Allen Robinson, definitely their, you know, their wide receiver one. Beyond that, Anthony Miller, uh, he's a guy who's been in the league for a few years, I believe out of Memphis. Um, and watching Anthony Miller, he made some plays. Um, he's not a great receiver, but he's a quality number two. Uh, and, you know, again, better than I thought he was going to be. I thought that Anthony Miller was kind of a bust because I, you know, I followed him a little bit when he was, uh, going through the draft process and I expected him to do big things. And it turns out he maybe could do big things again, uh, with a, a quarterback. Um, but he's, he is talented talents there. Um, but you know, he, he may not produce a lot. Um, but that's more due to the system than him. The other guy, the third guy is, uh, Daryl Mooney. Um, Daryl Mooney. I didn't know anything about Mooney. Um, but he popped on the screen quite a few times. He made some tough sideline catches, and uh, he really does a good job. Uh, the last uh, receiver pass catcher is Jimmy Graham. Um, Jimmy Graham, you know, he's at this point, uh, he kind of had his, his dominant run as a tight end uh, with Drew Brees. It feels like an entire lifetime ago. Uh, he's bounced around the league, uh, hasn't really done a lot until this season, um, and he has been catching a lot of balls in the end zone. They, they use him as a red zone target, um, and he's actually done a really good job going up, making tough catches, and bringing them down. So they're using Jimmy Graham in a really interesting way, uh, and he that is something that will be interesting to watch if they get the ball in the red zone, uh, how the Colts are going to cover Jimmy Graham. And, and, you know, they need to have a plan because he's really effective in that role. Yeah, absolutely. Um Okay, so, so far through the first three games of the season, DeForest Buckner has looked pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. Uh, He and the rest of the defense struggled against the Jaguars, but since that point, they have looked 
pretty great and exactly like what we hoped he was going to look. Um, and we've gotten good pass rush on the outside. How do you think that our defensive line matches up against this offensive line? So, um, I mean, there's nobody that's going to challenge DeForest Buckner, but um, having said that, this is a good offensive line. They're not great, but they're good. Um, last game we saw uh, the Colts, you know, kind of rotate some guys to get Buckner working in one-on-one situations, so it wasn't constantly doubled up. Um, and if the Colts continue to do that, there is nobody on this offensive line that can block him one-on-one. I, I don't believe that for a second. Um, these guys are, are at least James Daniels and Cody Whitehair, um, their left guard and their center. Those guys are a little bit smaller, uh, and they're really more built for zone blocking. So holding up against a guy like DeForest Buckner, um, they're just not going to be able to do it. Uh, you look at uh, German or Jermaine Ifedi, uh, former Seahawks player, uh, failed at tackle, has moved into guard. Um, you know, he's he's been okay at guard, uh, but again, he's just not somebody that is going to be able to block him. Um, when you look at the you know the edges, Charles Leno Jr.'s played really well. Uh, he's a, a solid left tackle, but he's beatable. Um, and then Bobby Massey on the right, um, you know. It, with a good pass rush again, I feel that he is beatable. These guys have played really well run blocking. Uh, they've opened up consistent holes. Uh, and you know, even in the past game, they, there are a lot of nice pockets. Um, but you know, they haven't played a lot of guys like DeForest Buckner. And it's, <laughs> it's really cool to say that as a Colts fan, to have a, a defensive tackle that, um, you know, I know some people might look at the stat sheet and go, well, you know, he hasn't really filled it up. But if you go back and you watch the games and you see the impact that he's having, he's not blockable. The, the quarterbacks are getting the ball out of their hand, but he, nobody's blocking him. Um, he, he's getting a lot of pressure, and these guys are not going to be able to stop that pressure. I think we're not going to totally appreciate the impact that he's having on this game until after the bye week because that's the timetable that they're expecting Kamoko Ture to come back. Yeah. And I think when you have Justin Houston and Kamoko Ture on the opposite sides of one another getting after the quarterback with with him in the middle pushing the pocket, I think that's when you're going to start to see things really get crazy where you're going to realize, oh, this is, I mean, Kamoko Ture looked like he could be pretty good, but I mean, and I think you've seen with Danico Autry what a difference it's mm-hmm, made in right. his game, both be on the outside where I think is a, a good fit for him, but also um, he, he's not getting double teamed. These guys, there's no you room can. to double these people they have to focus their extra men on DeForest Buckner because he is getting through people anyway it doesn't even matter right so even if you even if you're going to double DeForest Buckner and you decide that you need to chip some you need to chip a defensive end you're going to chip Justin Houston you're not going to chip the other defense the other defensive end you can't you're not going to dedicate seven guys to blocking you're not going to be in max protect every play so <laughs> goal line goal line formation guys all the way down the field right i mean that you know you're just not going to have that so you're going to have to pick who you want to let run free basically you know just in one-on-one situations um and again if the colts continue to to do what they've done with formations they can kind of pick and choose who gets that one-on-one and which one-on-one they get um so, you know, it could be a lot of fun, like you said, once uh, once the defensive line's back at full strength. But even still, just if you can take your eyes off the ball 
and you can just watch what he does up front. Man, it he it's beautiful. It's beautiful unless you're an offensive lineman, and then it's kind of ugly. <laughs> well, it's beautiful as a Colts fan. I personally, it gives me nightmares thinking about trying to block him. I mean, I think he is as close to the Quentin Nelson of the defense as you can possibly have. Yeah. Just a person yeah. who yeah. relishes the destruction of a large human being that's opposite him. I mean, I just think that's uh, that's pretty awesome. It's definitely cool to have that. The I mean, it, no question, he's the best interior defensive lineman that the Colts have ever had. But um, yeah. All right, yeah, and I well, I didn't get to watch the game live, um, but I knew it was a blowout you know, when I finally got to sit down and watch it. So I actually took the time to just you know pay attention to things like that, and it was pretty remarkable to see him just yeah. crashing the line nonstop. It, well, there are even a couple of them too where it, it kind of looks like he slithers in there, and somehow people don't even really touch yeah. him. Yeah. There's a couple of them that That's he knifes through with some with some nice moves that he really just like a guy that size shouldn't be that hard to get a hand on. <laughs> I yeah. mean, he's just too large for that, but he he still does it. So he, it's really really impressive what he's done so far. Uh, obviously, the level of competition is going to get tougher, and we're going to need to see him continue to do that. But it's going to be uh, a tough matchup if you're a Bears offensive interior lineman. They're they're going to have a a rough day. So um, so then. I guess the only so we we talked about it and I feel like we talked about it we didn't yet. Um, the only thing left really to talk about is the special teams and I thought I felt like we had talked about it already because we talked about Corderell Patterson. So uh, apart from so what's your overview of the special teams without stepping on it too much because uh, what I saw of him uh, that was the thing maybe that made me the most nervous in terms of Corderell Patterson was not so much him as a running back but maybe him. Uh, in special teams. Yeah. Cordero Patterson is uh man. He's a freak. Um, it's a shame that he's not better at the game of football um, because he's, <laughs> he's I think six to about two forty, uh, and he is fast. Um, so it, if you just watch him return a kick, He'll be running upfield. He'll field the kick. He'll be running upfield. And you think, oh, he's going pretty quick. And then he'll see an opening. He'll see where he wants to go. And then all of a sudden, he goes from running as fast as everyone else around him to faster than everyone else on the field. And he does it in an instant. Uh, and it's just his acceleration, his ability to accelerate from a run to a sprint, uh, it's it's fascinating because I don't know that I've seen anybody else do it. I'm sure that, you know, throughout the, the history of the NFL, there's someone, um, but I, I can't recall any ever seeing anyone move the way that he does. So he is incredibly dangerous as a returner because he can kind of slow play it. He doesn't look like he's slow playing it, but he is, he slow plays it. He reads his blocks. Uh, he's trying to set up and figure out where his hole is going to be. And as soon as he hits it, or as soon as he sees it, he hits it 100 miles an hour. Um, so he is a very dangerous returner. Uh, and I would agree that that is probably his the most dangerous aspect of his game. Um, you know, he could hit one from, you know, the running back position too, for sure. Um, but really just kicking to him is, uh, it's dangerous. He's he's not a guy that I want to kick to a lot. Um their kicker and punter, um, their punter's fine. Um, you know, he's a punter. He's not. So Rigoberto Sanchez is having a really good year. He's pinning a lot of balls deep. 
and their punter is Pat O'Donnell. He's not doing that. Uh, he's doing a fine job. He's not an embarrassment. Um, but, you know, he's also not uh, being used as a weapon. He's just punting the ball. Uh, Cairo Santos is really interesting, their kicker. Um, so far, he's four from six, uh, and the two field goals he's missed have been from 40 yards or beyond. Um, he has not hit a field goal this season um, that was beyond 35 yards. He's only hit field goals 35 yards and in. Um Again, very limited sample size. He's only got six attempts, uh, but he's also not hit anything beyond 35 yards. That's just weird for an NFL kicker. Um, so that's something interesting to watch. He, I, I would be very surprised if he didn't have a new season long at the end of this game. Um, it would actually be kind of amazing if he made it through four weeks without putting one in from beyond 35. Uh, but if he misses again from 40, um, you know, 40 plus that would be that would be pretty interesting historically santos is a a good kicker not great um but again that's just such a bizarre thing to think week four you know he hasn't hit one longer yet well and the colts have actually been really solid in special teams um yeah i mean i would say dominant in special teams in many ways because uh, i don't know that they've been this good since really maybe the last year that that pat mcafee was the punter where they got all those onside kicks because their special teams was just uh, like a game changing special. I mean, they've, they've been pinning people deep. They've been because winning. Chuck knew what he was. Battle. Chuck knew he was getting fired and just let the special teams coach do whatever he wanted. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember that. Oh yeah. Uh, it, it, they, they've been impressive. I mean, Naheem Hines and Ashton Doolin have looked good in returns. Uh, mm. They have been really good in, in kick coverage. I just, I've been really impressed with their special teams unit all this year. And yeah. that's the stuff they have to, to win in games like this, where really I would say talent wise, these teams are not dramatically far off, mm-hmm. at least right now. I would say that is not my opinion. If the Colts don't have Marlon Mack injured and um, you know, Pete, Paris Campbell injured and Michael Pittman. I think probably the Colts are a better team overall with those guys healthy, but with some of those offensive weapons off the board, I definitely think they're pretty evenly matched uh, with the exception that I think Phillip Rivers is a quite a bit better quarterback. Um, But, but you have to have special teams wins. You've got to have all of those little wins. I don't know uh, how long the defense can sustain their current output of points. Yeah. But if the defense can continue to put points on the board, that definitely is a big leg up for the for the team as a whole. So, um, well, in special teams, what was it with the Jets? Their average starting positions, mm-hmm. it was insane. The difference was not good. Yeah, it was like, not good. It was completely nuts, and it, I mean, it was almost completely on special teams. Uh, yeah. With that, you know, either Rigo pinning them, which I think the. And this is probably super obvious, but you know the way the offense has been humming with no three and outs and stuff, and not making some progress down the field every time they get out there, um, aiding Rigo and not yeah. having to kick the ball fifty, you know, plus yards in order right. to pin them back there. So well, and a lot of teams kick the ball out of the back of the end zone, and the Colts don't. They yeah. do, they drop it at like the one yard line and rely on their kick coverage, and they consistently are getting them inside the twenty five. So even on things like that, when they when they go down and score, um, they're still putting the team in a disadvantage in at in terms of the field position. So that's been good. They need to continue that. Um, we'll see how that goes. But now, 
uh, let's get real briefly into some predictions for this game. We're going to let Jim talk now because Jim is just like the, <laughs> like, there's some, there's some points Jim is probably like, I'm going to go make a sandwich. I'm going to go. Oh, I've had some snacks. I'm like, oh, there, you go. there you <laughs> go. That's, that's what you got to do. But this is unfortunately the podcast where we, you know, just pick shepherd's brain and then oh, we've, no, missed, we've missed, we've missed our Tuesday podcasts uh, because of, you know, malfunctions and all kinds of other chaos. And so um, we had to get back in the habit of that so that, you know, we have a little bit more rapport here, but then so that Jim could be allowed to speak. So we're going to start getting free Jim uh, picketing going on on our Twitter. <laughs> oh, let's but, make, let's make t-shirts. Free uh, Jim. <laughs> so I, I already kind of mentioned it and it's kind of boring, but I'm kind of excited about it and I want it to keep going. And that's a streak of no three and outs hmm. uh, from this offense. Um, I, I think it has been, as, as I just said, fairly instrumental in how we control the games over the past couple of weeks uh, with the offense, like I said, or like you mentioned, Blystone, even when they don't go and score, they're putting the opponents at a disadvantage. And it's amazing what a difference that makes in the way one can control a game. And you can be boring if it just, if you continue to, you know, get production and and put you know yards on the stat sheet and just constantly keep your opponent on their heels uh it, it's really fun to watch it's kind of this slow onslaught you know this that that they're performing and i dig it i'm kind of on i'm on board with it and this year kind of seems to lend itself to such an attack and you know like i said maybe or like you said earlier lifestone also maybe it is you know, try not to show all your cards till the end of the year, things like that. Be boring, be bland, be, you know, what people think is, is one note and, and then flip the script on them. So I'm just excited about what keeping that type of production going can, can mean for uh, later in the season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think if they can continue to get it, it definitely makes a difference getting into rhythm on a drive um, and, uh, they're not having penalties, uh, not not major ones. That was a problem in the Jacksonville game that they just had lots of penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, they haven't made those kind of stupid mistakes, and that certainly helps. It's been one of those things that they've actually been bailed out by quite a few stupid mistakes uh, in a couple of their games. So um, on drives in general, where they've had yep. a lot of mistakes, a lot of things happen that have messed up the other team, and um, mistake-free football, and that that's, that's how you're going to get into those kind of streaks and definitely keeping that alive, obviously. Uh, gives them a better chance to win what do you think Shepard? what's your what's my oh your prediction my prediction for the week yeah my prediction for the week uh is going to be that uh jonathan taylor uh is going to go over 100 yards on the day uh and you know maybe this isn't the most bold of prediction uh, but i think he's going to go over 100 yards and i think he's going to do it pretty easily you mean 175 yards? <laughs> no, no, I mean 100. Oh, okay. I was just trying to you know, make it sound I mean, better. I did technically say it was a prediction. I did not specify that it was supposed to be a bold Oh, one. sorry. So, well, mine was I mean, pretty bland. So yeah. Okay, well, I mean, if you, if you want bold, I can make it bolder. No, so, that's all right. No, we'll, we'll go back around and ask for a bold prediction. We'll okay. do – these are our, our bland predictions. It's, and, it's a relaxed Thursday yeah. night. You know, it's, right. it's late. Um. 
Okay. So, I mean, I think that's very likely. I mean, it's obviously not a stellar run defense and uh, hopefully we're I mean, going to get some improvement in run blocking with Jack Doyle being back. Um, I think it, it's probably pretty fair to say that that's, that's likely. And with an improved secondary, uh, there's a good incentive to not lean too heavy on the pass. So I would guess that you're probably right. And Taylor seems to fall forward and get at least two to three yards every time anyway. So, well, and, and the thing that's crazy is so does Jordan Wilkins. Um, and he doesn't get enough credit for that. I, I definitely think it's pretty clear that Taylor needs some time to improve in terms of his vision. Um, and it's not that he's doing badly because I think he's averaging on the year like 4.4 yards per carry. So he's obviously doing OK. Um, but you hope that he starts to kind of get a better eye for where to make cuts and when to go um, as we get against a little bit stiffer defenses. So I think that's very likely, though, that he still breaks 100 yards and, and does so without a whole lot of effort. I'm going to go oh, shoot. See, now I had a bold prediction. I got to come up with a bland prediction here. <laughs> Let's see. I think Philip Rivers is probably going to talk some trash. Oh my! Mm, come on. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll, that's too bad. Nab it. He literally does that from the moment he puts his jersey on. Um, <laughs> no, well, I'll go. Sure. I'll, I'll go less bold, but I do think. Um, I think that Ty Hilton continues uh, his kind of comeback. I think yeah. last week we saw him. He didn't have a big game. He had three catches for. Uh, three three catches on three targets. I think he had fifty two or fifty four yards. It wasn't it wasn't a game breaking thing, um, and he wasn't a huge factor. But I do think that he is going to be a factor in this game, and uh, I think that maybe he has an opportunity. And they haven't used it much, but I wonder if they take advantage of some play action in this game, right. um, have an opportunity to hit Ty uh, for some big plays. I think this is going to be. I mean, Philip has been trying to get him the ball a couple times. I think it's coming. And I think he kind of maybe had a, a confidence boost game against the Jets. And that was really what he needed to get. I mean, to me, I don't know if you think this, guys, if you've if you've noticed this, but I don't think he seems like he's moved badly. I think he seems like he still gets around well. He doesn't look old. He's just had some stupid concentration drops. And I think he's gotten in his own head. So um, so that, yep. that'd be my prediction for this game is that T.Y. Hilton, I'm not going to put a number on it necessarily, but I'm going to say that he gets at least uh, four catches and that he's creeping up on the hundred yard marker that that would be a big game for him considering how they spread the ball around um i I don't know if we're going to see games other than at the texans where he has 200 yards in a game or something crazy (laughs) Uh, i assume that he'll do that in houston just because you know but yeah (laughs) so shepherd do you want to mull this over a little bit more jim do you have your bold prediction or do either of you guys do you just jump in whoever's got your bold prediction your good prediction instead of the crappy ones that you gave me the first one. Oh, now we're doing multiple <laughs> predictions. That was off the hook. This is, this is Shep's episode. All right. Um, <laughs> my bold prediction is uh, the defense will score. Uh, see, I feel like if you got, if I say one touchdown, you guys are going to be like, Oh, that's so boring. Cause no, you know, I won't, I won't. <laughs> because, I mean, if you're going to give them a touchdown, that's a bold prediction. That's well, that's what I think. I mean, it's tough. They had two last uh, game. But uh, yeah, but I mean, how many times legitimately does a right. defense score a touchdown? But now that's, that's what Colts fans break. expect. Dang it! Well, I mean, that's unrealistic. <laughs> but yeah, we're gonna. Yeah. That's gonna be my huh. my bold prediction today. Nick Foles, uh, you know, again, he hasn't started. Uh, he's gonna go out. He's gonna throw one up, and it will be the wrong decision. And the Colts are gonna take another one back. So uh, I'm going with Ooh. another Colts pick six in this one. 
Yeah, well, I'm going to go can... with the opposite direction. Then I'm going to say Philip Rivers is going to throw a pick six. Phillip Jim, Rivers how dare throws, you? Throws zero picks. Oh, oh. okay. I mean, hey, that's better. I thought you were about to say Philip Rivers is going to throw a pick six, and I was going to boot you down <laughs> the podcast. I don't <laughs> think that's a bold prediction at all. <laughs> I mean, I really, I strongly hope that does not happen. But uh, yeah, no. I, but also, once again, don't think it's a very bold prediction to say that it would. Um, I'm not sure that it's that few. I'm not sure that that's that bold. I mean, I know that the book on him is he throws lots of interceptions, but I haven't seen a guy who is just other than against the Jaguars. Yeah. I haven't seen a guy who's been careless with the football. Um, and I don't think he's had to be because he's been well protected. And I know that that's the book on him. And so until I mean, he's going to live with that. That's just who he's mm-hmm. been. And he's, he, so so I don't think that's bad. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's definitely reasonable to think that that could happen. Let's rewrite um, the book. Yeah. Um, one thing that I think is interesting, and this is not a prediction, um, but I was thinking about it, Shepard, as you were talking about a pick six, that's kind of interesting. The Colts haven't forced a fumble this year. And right. in the past couple of years, that's been how they've gotten a lot of their turnovers is forced fumbles. A lot of them has yeah. been from Darius Leonard, uh, Kenny Moore guys punching the ball out. I assume that's going to happen at some point. So it's kind of interesting to think about that. That's not really been the source. I mean, they have not been a team that could get a pick. If you remember for the last couple of years, they just like how many picks has, has Anthony Walker dropped? Right. I mean, just, just, they couldn't make that catch. They couldn't kind of take that next step. And so I'm going to be inter- interested to see if they start forcing some fumbles and working things in there as well. Um, definitely interesting. I, I, think you have to give credit to and i know this is not counted as a turnover uh but safeties absolutely should count as a turnover um and like the defense has gotten two safeties in two weeks which is insane and and credit to the special teams for for putting them in a position where that's even possible so Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's it's just interesting this defense has got a lot going for it and it's it's going to be interesting to watch as it develops but my bold prediction is actually going to be on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and and it's going to be that Moali Cox breaks 100 yards again receiving. Oh, um, okay. And I really think Moali Cox is turning a corner here. I think it was a question, and I think it was from the Jets. I don't remember whether it was Jets or whether it was the question that's going to come out in uh, the Bears Q&A. Um, I think it was the Jets, though, where they asked, what's the deal with Mo Ali Cox? He's on and off the practice squad. Um, he, you know, he, he took he's been on the team technically for three years, but now all of a sudden he's breaking out. Is this just a fluky game or what? And it's like the deal is uh, this dude didn't play football like from the time he was a freshman in high school until the time that he got signed by the Colts. That's the deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he's just an athletic freak who played basketball and who has converted to play tight end. And so understandably, he's going to take some time to develop. And I think he's hitting that point where he's uh, one of the things that uh, Jim Aiello, I think is an indie star uh, writer uh, for the Colts wrote a really good piece on, um, on the indie star that talks about, you know, kind of some of the injuries that he dealt with. And basically he just kind of was biding his time because he felt he was ready uh, in terms of route running and, and things that he'd improved to the point that he could become a passing weapon. But because of some of the injuries that they sustained last year, they needed him to be a blocker and he was kind of dinged up and playing hurt and couldn't really, you know, do that specifically, but it kind of seems like he's breaking out to me. And well, um, I wonder if we had, Andrew under center last season, you know, had a love affair with tight ends. Absolutely. Would we have seen this earlier? 
I, I think you know, definitely I had, because we've talked many times about how much more luck liked to throw to tight ends. Yeah. And Rivers is cut from that same mold. He wants to get the ball to the tight end. And so mm-hmm. especially on a team like this that likes to play these zones, finding somebody who can hit those the seams in the zones and exploit those and be a big physical guy. Um, yeah, give me that guy. And uh, if Rivers starts to get into a frame of mind where he has a big dude who can go up and get the football that he can start making some downfield throws to, um, this offense is going to get wild real quick. Because if you've got to worry about Moali Cox, in addition to the fact that you've got a running game that can get working really well, man, you're going to be unpleasant to deal with. And we've already seen glimmers of those, you know, wonderful Frank Reich plays of just scheming tight ends wide open. Yeah. Um, and which contributed to some of Mo Alley Cox's, you know, uh, production over the past couple of weeks. So if we can yeah. have even more options for that, even better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's my bold prediction that he's going to have a big game. I'm not sure that how bold that is because he's definitely the healthiest, maybe best pass catcher. That's not named T Y Hilton right now. Um, uh, it depends on what Trey, but watch Trey Burton will come back and have a hundred yards and then I'll just be like, well, okay, whatever. I'm stupid, but I'll take it. Cause I mean, if, if, Trey, if Trey Burton has a hundred yards, that means that the team is doing really well. So, um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be a good game. I think it's going to be maybe the tightest game that the Colts have played. Well, um, the tightest game that the Colts have played well. Um, I, I think that the game that they played against Jacksonville would have been better if they were, if they replayed that game, when they replay that game, I still think Jacksonville will be competitive, but I think the Colts, uh, playing at their best will, will certainly be a better match, uh, and should win that matchup. But the bears are definitely the, I mean, they're three and oh, and you know, regardless of the fact that they are technically three and oh, through a lot of incompetence of teams that they've played, mm-hmm. um, and through just sort of, I mean, they've, they've gotten there. You got to give them credit for that. Even if how they've gotten there is sort of questionable. And if you, you know, want to ask that question, I mean, it's kind of the same way as the Colts are the, the best defense in the NFL. Um, okay. Kind of, uh, maybe an asterisk needs to be included there. Are they, are they technically? Yes. Um, but maybe there are other factors that need to be considered. So, uh, I think it's be an interesting game, um, but let's go around and make our score predictions here before we get out of here. Um, Jim, what do you think this game comes out to? Um, thinking like twenty four seventeen. Okay, one score game somewhere in there. Yeah, I don't know. But I'm hovering in I, that I assume, I assume Colts. I didn't ask, but I assume. Yeah, yeah. I I really think the the Colts have, have got this one. Um, like I said, I think it'll be competitive, mm-hmm. probably more so than it should be. Um, so I don't think they're just going to you know walk away with it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at there. All right. What do you think, Shepard? So I think that the the Colts are a better team than the the Bears. Um, but not, not to a huge extent, not like the, the Jets game last week. They're better, but they're not exponentially better. Um, like you said, you've got to give a team credit when they come up with ways to win. Uh, even if they're winning ugly, they're still winning. Um, you know, they've had (laughs) two wins have come on the back of huge, massive collapses from bad football teams. Uh, and then their win in week two came when 
they nearly let the New York Giants without their best player uh, come back, and it came down to literally the last play of the game uh, where the the Giants, I think, were on their own 12-yard line uh, and threw a pass into the end zone, and it was incomplete. Um, but they let them come back in that one. Uh, so the Bears are probably the worst 3-0 and team in the league. They're not a bad team, um, and they are finding ways to win. But at the same time, I feel like this one, the final score is going to end up being a lot closer than what the game feels. Uh, and I think that the Colts are going to pull it out 24 to 21. Oh, man, you guys got close games going. Yeah, that's. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to deviate a little bit there. Um, I don't think this game's going to be that close. I think that the Colts have played really well in in two of the three phases and they played okay on offense, but I think defense and special teams have been excellent and I don't see that stopping. Um, I think that the Colts are going to come ready to go. I think this is going to be a game that they take control of pretty quickly. I think that they're going to have, they have the best um, equipped offense that they've had with their tight end uh, room full. And um, this is a team that they match up with pretty well in terms of what they're going to want to do. I think they're going to get out and run the ball early, and I think that they're going to put the ball in the court of their defense and let their defense uh, try to wreak havoc on an offense that they ought to be able to handle pretty well. I think this game is thoroughly in hand for the Colts, and they've done a good job of not letting – they've not done the thing that the Bears have been doing and the things that the thing that the Colts have frequently done, which is uh, letting opponents hang around. The two teams that they should have beaten, uh, they've put their – you know, foot on their throat and finish them off. So um, I think 31-17 is my prediction for this mm. one. And I'm, I'm going to predict that, um, that that 17 gets there because of a late game touchdown that's somewhat irrelevant by that point. So I'm, I'm going to predict kind of another beatdown. And I hope that I'm right because yeah, me it'll, too. It'll, it'll mean that the Colts are for real. Uh, not that this is, like we said, this is not a great Bears team. Um, but if you can go in and manhandle a team like this, that tells me that this is a Colts team that's for real. Um, if they can kind of yeah. have that effect. So we'll see. I will undoubtedly be wrong. I'm terrible at these predictions. I, I have not tracked them, but, um, it wouldn't surprise me if it was a very close game. And I'd say that, uh, that could be very likely, but I, I think this is a game where we're going to see that this Colts team is, uh, not just an illusion that the the illusion was that first week. And I think you've pointed to this several times, Shepard, that the Jaguars are not as bad a team as we all have, have given right. them credit for being. Yeah. They're also not a great team, but I would say um, they have a lot more talent than we've given them credit for. And they're a divisional opponent. So um, Colts had a bad week. Jags had a good week. They're a tougher team than we expected. Uh, we're starting to get a clearer picture of what everybody looks like as we're getting into this. And we all kind of said by week five, we'd have a pretty clear image of who is who. And this will tell us a lot about the Colts. Yep. Uh, I, I'm going to be really interested to see this game. So um, that's it for us, guys. We're going to be back. We promise we're really going to be back and do a game recap uh, next week. Actually is going to happen. And uh, it will even let Jim talk. Yay. <laughs> Congratulations, uh, Jim. I'm so excited, but you guys can check out, um, all there's a bunch of content going up on stampede blue. I believe Zach has got a massive story going up tomorrow. That's on defense. If you just want to submerge yourself in, uh, in a, if you think story about defense, if you, if you still believe that the Colts run a cover two defense, you need to read that article. 
I don't care. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you find X's and O's boring. If you're the guy that in the comment section is saying, Ooh, I hate the Colts cover too. Uh, you need to read that article. That's all I have to say. Yeah. Um, you should definitely get over there. Check out the scouting reports. Um, Shepard spends a lot of time on them and, um, you can check out some of what I do. It's, it's less time intensive. So you can check <laughs> stuff out. Too. Um, and there's lots of good stuff going up there all the time. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Chris Blyson at NFL scheme and at Jim Campbell 81 and, uh, rate and review us on your podcast listening, uh, venue of choice. However, it is that you get this podcast, give us a, a five-star rating and review on there. And we definitely would appreciate it. So, um, until next time guys i think that's all uh we're gonna get out of here and we will catch you guys after cold fairs see you later bye later